Welcome back to Speaking of Startups, formerly known as the Charlotte Angel Connection. Today, we're very excited to release our next podcast with Jenny Farias. She is the co-founder of Gwen, G-W-E-N, the Growing Women Entrepreneurs Network, which has quickly expanded from Charlotte to also have a chapter in the Raleigh-Durham area and also down in Atlanta. Jenny is new to Charlotte. She moved here during the COVID years and upon attending events across the kind of the greater Charlotte area, recognized that there was a gap to fill of supporting and nurturing women entrepreneurs and started Gwen along with her co-founder, Ashley. And we dive into what Gwen is, how it fills a need and where it can go from here. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you joining us today. Happy to be here. No, let's uh, no, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a good good time here for the next forty five or fifty minutes. So, we are gonna dive into a couple of different aspects of your life today, and uh, we're gonna end up talking about Gwen. So, if you can, before we circle back around to it, give us the elevator pitch or summary of what Gwen is for our audience members that aren't yet aware. Sure. Gwen, it stands for Growing Women Entrepreneurs Network. It's a community that was started in Charlotte for female founders by Ashley Gotro and I. We co-founded it in 2022, just reached our one-year Gwenniversary. <laughs> and um, really, it's, it's, we created Gwen, kind of, you know, our mission is to create a platform where we can elevate female founders that are starting high-impact, high-growth companies. And the whole premise is that we want to accelerate growth, right? Through having a community, resources, access to capital and investment opportunities. And I'm sure we'll get into that today. And then we provide a lot of high value content through really dynamic, lively and amazing events. And if you haven't been to one, we'll invite you to the next one. But um, it's, you know, started in Charlotte and now it's really become a Southeast network of female founders and we've got now a footprint in Raleigh and Durham and Charlotte, of course, where we started and establishing more of a footprint in Atlanta. That's awesome. So who is Jenny to kind of take this on, right? Like why, why you, what's your, what's your, what's your background, right? How do you, how do you, um, how do you get to this point in life? Yeah, that's, um, that's that's a great question, and so I, I guess and not, I'll start. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna take Go a quick pause and say not like the or not pause in the podcast, but um, I'm gonna cut you off really quick and not like the guy in Goonies. Like I don't need the third grade story. I don't know if you're familiar with Goonies or not, but um, anyways, but no, I'm just kidding. Just a um, a great <laughs> little background of um of kind of the milestones of of of, of what got you to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very familiar with Goonies. I was (laughs) 80s, 90s (laughs) gal growing up in Miami. And so, yeah, a couple things, you know, I think, so I'm originally from Miami and um, I was born to Cuban immigrant parents. And I think my origin story is something that's really important to me. And just kind of the way that my family came to this country as immigrants at the age of like 12 years old and really like a really in pursuit of freedom. So they were part of really the Cuban revolution when, you know, communist dictator Fidel Castro was taking over in in 59 and from one day to the next really kind of just walked into my family's homes and seized their belongings. And so the way that they came to the country at 12 really was my grandparents, you know, like many people on the island were really terrified about their future. And so the really only way to get out of Cuba was to, put their children on this, uh, these mission flights, right, called Operation Peter Pan. And this took place between 1960 and 1962. And more than 14,000 unaccompanied children were sent by their parents to Cuba in pursuit of freedom, right? And so we think about what that means and pursuing the American dream and all that. And I don't know, do you have kids? We do. Right. So imagine putting your 12 year old child on a plane without them 
in the hopes that they would have a better future, a better life, right? And it's just like so courageous and so scary. And so I think about that and the whole premise was that they were, you know, that was their ticket out and they would be reunited, my grandparents with my family and like within a six month time period and they didn't actually, you know, reunite with them until four years later. And so you just think about the sacrifice they made in pursuit of that better life. And I think that story really has always impacted me and fueled my founder skills and wanting to work with founders because there's so many parallels of, of people that are just taking that risk and taking that leap of faith and, and just to build something from the ground up, right? That it takes a tremendous amount of sacrifice and a tremendous amount of courage and I think that's kind of the backbone of like what makes me and Jenny as a founder, as a professional, like really just poised and suited for, for taking this kind of, um, you know, endeavor on. And so more on the professional side, you know, growing up in Miami, just a little wild, <laughs> as you can imagine, but it, it was a really vibrant, you know, city and, um, you know, it was, it was a great place to grow up during that time and started my career in marketing um, in 2006. I ended up leaving Miami and moving to New York City. And so started working for, you know, the big advertising agencies, global, global agencies, had an opportunity to work with amazing brands, Fortune 100 brands like American Express, and um, just spent about, you know, three years, really just New York is like such a boot camp, right, for professional development. Uh, so much talent that's like from all over the world. So it really just like puts you in a spot where you're just continuing to improve on your skill sets and just learn from just amazing people that are really kind of migrating there from like all over the world. And that's kind of where I got my base in marketing. And then from there, you know, ended up moving back to Miami and spent about a decade in the business of healthcare, actually, and working um, more on mid-market brands, both on business development and marketing, and was responsible for driving healthcare innovation arms. So really was so ingrained in emerging technologies and startups. And it's really where I got my passion on what the startup landscape was doing to solve major problems in this case in healthcare, but, you know, just tech as, as an industry is, was really kind of taking off. And, and then I was involved in kind of all new in-house startup launches. So working on standing up a lot of new initiative, a lot of our new clinics and diagnostic facilities and kind of what that took from a ground up standpoint as well. So startup has always been in my backbone. I think founder, you know, and not everybody's cut out for the founder life for sure. Um, has always been something that, that really um, I, I've just gravitated to and, and feel like I'm, I'm really, you know, just cut, cut that way. And then of course ended up leaving corporate life after 17 years and founding my fractional marketing agency now, which is brands and humans. And, so kind of took that leap of faith and became, you know, my own, you know, entrepreneur and, and driving this, you know, fractional marketing business that was specifically serving startups. In that time, I ended up moving to Charlotte. So I think that background really has helped put me in a place where I really get it. I, I understand the needs of founders in the startup community. And um, yeah, hopefully that, that yeah, answers your question. It does. It, it gets us probably most of the way there. So let's keep closing the loop a little bit more. So uh, Miami, global city, right? Um, everybody, you go to basically anywhere in the world and you say Miami, Florida, or you don't even have to say Miami, Florida. You say Miami and everybody kind of knows where it is. And the the culture and life that kind of surrounds Miami, right? And then you go to New York City, and same thing, you go anywhere in the world and you say New York City and everybody's going to say, yep, we exactly understand where that is, what it is, culture, everything else. Um, and then you say Charlotte and everybody looks at you with a dumbfounded look on your face and says, what the hell are you talking about? Right. So how did you yeah. end up? In, how did you end up in Charlotte? <laughs> I know. And you described it really well, because that's exactly the reaction I get. They're like, what? Why did you move from Miami to Charlotte? Um, and it's, it's, it's actually a funny question. And because I'm just like, so honest, and I tend to overshare it, 
you know, there's, there's many reasons, but you know, anyone that has ever had a zoom call with me that I've met in Charlotte always laughs at my reason for moving to Charlotte. And I always tell them, I was like, you know, have you ever watched the movie coming to America when Eddie Murphy like spins the globe and goes to manifest his dream bride? And he's like, Queens. I was like, I really like never have thought about anything less. I knew that I had been in Miami for a really long time it is a really vibrant cultural city, but I just had it in my heart and in my gut that that was not the place that I was going to settle down and find a life partner. And so that was kind of one of the main reasons I just wanted to reset my environment. And it happened to be during COVID too, which was an interesting time to relocate. But for me, it was probably the best time because it really slowed down my life. I was constantly traveling with friends and just, you know, working and, and, and just kind of staying busy. Right. And so COVID gave me the opportunity to kind of pause and, and take a look about what does Jenny want to do for the next two decades of her life or three or whatever, you know? And um, I had a couple friends that had moved to Charlotte and their life just kind of started to, to really, you know, take shape in a way that, seemed appealing. Like they met their life partner. They got a great, you know, job. They were just doing things like in the environment and nature and going hiking and not in a nightclub and things that I was like, you know what, uh, I actually am like craving that. I'm craving something that is, you know, a little bit more chill, right? First and foremost, I like the idea that Charlotte seemed like a hidden gem of a city, right? Where it's like a big city, you know, coming from Miami and New York, I knew that I couldn't end up in a small town. I would go like stir crazy. So I needed the big city amenities, but I did like that it was a small town feel. Um, so that was a really big, like alluring factor of, of the reasons why I decided on Charlotte. Um, Four Seasons was great. I never knew what that was <laughs> in Miami specifically. It's yeah. summer all year round. Um, and I like the idea that it was a smart, like thriving community, especially after moving here. I'm just so blown away by this is also a melting pot, like New York or Miami, where it's like 80% of the people I move are like not even from here. They're from San Francisco or from Chicago, from Miami, from New York, from Texas. And it's all these folks that did the grind, right? They did the hustle and bustle of these big metropolitan cities and then they were like, you know, this is not sustainable for a lifestyle. Like, I'm a professional, I'm building a cool technology, I'm in finance, whatever, whatever their craft was, but I want a place that has that values, like a balanced lifestyle. And Charlotte just seems to kind of tick all those boxes. Yeah, that makes sense. So I don't think David Tepper is a um, is a regular listener to the podcast, but in case he is, David, just for reference point, she did not say anything about the Panthers or Charlotte FC as being the reason that she came here. So um, we need to turn the ship around <laughs> in, 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 our, in our sports world in the city, right? So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm a, Dol I'm a Dol uh, Miami Dolphins fan always, so... I hear you. Well, I mean, you certainly wouldn't change that this year, right? Not with their, not with yeah. their, not with their, um, their team versus our team. Right. So <laughs> anyway, so you, so you moved here in 2020, 2021. Is that right, Jenny? Yeah. October, 2020. So I've been here for three years now. Oh, okay. Welcome. So your three year anniversary and Gwen's one year anniversary. So what, um, so how long had you been here before? I mean, obviously Gwen kind of, officially kicked off a year ago um, as you said earlier you just had your your anniversary which i think that's that's an awesome term but the how long was it before you started networking or figuring out with other females that there was a missing component in the ecosystem that a concept like gwen could plug the hole in right yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And so, um, yeah, well, moving here, you know, I, I was here about like, I think six months in and I was like, okay, I, you know, Miami had a huge network cause I was from there and I was like, I need to really establish a network of people, business professionals. Obviously I was growing a new fractional agency. So from like client development standpoint and just to, to meet like cool folks that were doing really good things in the city. So I just started going to, you know, 
hitting the circuit. So Pitch Breakfast and Innovate Charlotte and all the, all the ecosystem events and started to meet a lot of the investor community, right? So a lot of the VCs and then a lot of founders and then Juan Garzón, like a lot of people that were really shaping Charlotte's like entrepreneurial ecosystem. And Ashley and I actually met through one of those ecosystem events and we just like hit it off and we really started to bond over startups and wine, of course. Um, can't leave that out. <laughs> but we started just to have like some happy hours and get togethers. And I think her being a VC and so close to the disparities and inequities and in funding for female founders really became kind of a conversation piece on the opportunity we had to help female founders in the region and just to illuminate some of those disparities, which you probably know, but, you know, female founders only receive 1.9% of funding. That was the 2022 stat. So we'll see what 2023 ends up rounding out, but it will probably be less. And just for context, that that's 4.5 billion out of the 238 billion of venture capital dollars that were allocated to startups in 2022. So just that number is just so eye-opening, right? So in terms of the work that needed to be done and we, you know, being connected in the ecosystem and meeting a lot of these amazing women that were starting real companies that can really, you know, tech companies that can really have the capacity to scale and, and really change their industry or change the world. We knew that um, there was lacking a community to come together and really help these founders succeed in a way that hadn't been done before. And if capital was kind of a roadblock, there had to be other ways where we really can solve for that. So I think, um, you know, that was kind of first and foremost. And really, you know, if you think about all the like billion dollar unicorn tech companies we all know today, they were all funded by venture capital, right? So I think the founder type that we have in our community and that we're continuing to add more of is these women that are not building small businesses. They are taking a huge risk in trying to come up with innovations and technologies that have the potential to become a unicorn status or to really change their you know, industry in a way that is, is really impactful. And so that takes kind of like a, a different kind of effort in terms of like what we're trying to bring to this community. Um, so that, that's really kind of how, how we identified the gaps, right, in Charlotte specifically. And there wasn't really, there's a lot of women networks, like women in small business or women in tech, or um, those things exist for sure, but there really wasn't something for founders. And so that's where we kind of got that big idea to, to create one. Yeah, so it's, um, it's interesting, right? the ability to change that takes time, right? So your background is um, more on the marketing side and helping in that where your measurable results are much quicker, right? Like you can start to see how a campaign is impacting in a much more measurable perspective. But when you think about you know, funding unicorns, unicorns take um, almost kind of like thinking about your parents coming over here from Cuba, it takes a generation for the impact, right? So how, how do y'all view the progress or how do you measure the progress of Gwen over the course of the next couple months in terms of getting more people in the seats and having more, more impactful meetings, but then also taking the long range approach, like it's gonna, it takes forever to not forever. That's a negative thing to say. It takes a while to build to, right? So how, how do you manage the immediate versus the long-term? Yeah, that's a great question. I think from like a long-term and it, it will take a long time in terms of like the change that we want to make. Right. I think in phase one of us starting Gwen, it was like, let's just build the community. We know that, you know, the founder journey is very lonely. It's very isolating. And, especially for women, you know, they tend to like a lot of men start companies together and you've got, you typically see like it's, it's a group of co-founders and women are kind of trying to do this on their own. And then eventually maybe down the road, get a co-founder. So phase one was around 
let's like we're in the early days of we like to think of ourselves as a startup, right? So we're try, still trying to find product market fit. We're really listening to the founder community to see where there are gaps, um, what the value perception of one is now so that we can be agile in our approach to building out programs and resources that, you know, really can make an impact. I think our plan is to, you know, continue with engaging events that have been really well received. And in those events, there's a lot of connections that are made, um, potentially host like a summit, you know, down the road, just to just to have a platform to really communicate what these founders are, um, you know, experiencing and just, just have that light, you know, shed on, on our community put out high value content. These are all kind of short term things. And then I think eventually what we want to do and right now we're we're in the process of really just mining our data just to understand like our founder profile so that we can become a connector model. Because if women that are trying to fundraise with our community, we want to be that, you know, go to org, right? That really helps to connect them to whether it's angel investors or you know, VCs or different um, investment opportunities that can help, you know, accelerate growth for their companies. And so if we can make, you know, those connections and make that easy for them, um, I think that's kind of our plan. So it, it's, it's, it's a two-part question, right? I think for now, it's, we've built a community, we've got an exclusive Slack channel where founders are now engaged. They're, you know, they have the ability in an intimate space to ask, a lot of questions about their business as they're evolving it, or maybe they need help with a certain thing. So there's other like mentors in our group that can kind of help, you know, walk them through how to solve for that particular business challenge. Um, we're getting folks together on a really frequent basis. I think the human side of it, we really want to be a high touch community where we're not just, you know, blasting out, do it yourself, like here's a playbook or here's this, you know, we don't know that that actually moves the needle. We want to be, understand our founder profile really well and um, help them, you know, kind of get to that next milestone in their business. So just the high touch element, I think is important. And then, um, you know, that that's how we'll kind of solve for the challenges right now. And then long-term, it's around, like, what are our KPIs? Like, what are we trying? Like, what are we going to measure and how we're making an impact? So we think about becoming that connector model. And we want, we want to connect these women to angel investors or, you know, the ones that are fundraising. We've got to know, like, okay, how many connections were made and how many deals were actually, like, facilitated through Gwen. And then, you know, we'll do an impact report. Here's how we actually moved the needle. Here's how we made a change. Um, so that's, that's what, um, you know, we've got a board now. So we're, we're really like defining what the like go to market strategy for Gwen is going to be in 2024, what those KPIs look like, how we're going to measure them, um, who are some ecosystem partners, sponsors, supporters that really believe in what we're doing and sort of just building out that roadmap. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you a couple of different things there. So you've kind of mentioned the Charlotte ecosystem and then you dropped in there, the the board as well. So two things to touch base on separately there would be how does Gwen fit within the still evolving and developing Charlotte ecosystem? So where does, where does it serve among, uh, you know, uh, pitch breakfast, where does it serve among, you know, Dan's RevTech Labs or, um, you know, Innovate Charlotte or um, Launch LKN or all of those different things, right? Like where does, how do y'all fit in the space? That's a great question. I think, you know, the startup ecosystem in Charlotte is, is still evolving, right? And it really has grown in recent years. Um, I think we see Gwen as being the more niche community for specifically female founders in the Charlotte region, some of the some of the orgs you mentioned, you know, Pitch Breakfast is a great platform for early stage startups to go and you know practice their pitches, and and, and that's really kind of their niche and what they're doing. Um, Dan Rosellian and RevTech Labs has got you know obviously their accelerator, and they're they're mostly focused on fintech. Um, so we see ourselves as the entity that's bringing together the women entrepreneurial community. 
Um, for us, you know, like I said earlier, we know that being a founder is really hard and can be a really lonely journey. And so having like-minded people in your corner, I think can really help. And so that's, that's where we're bridging kind of that gap. Um, and also, you know, seeing other founders be successful, that there are resources around there, there's like community around it. It's going to also, one of the things that we want to do is encourage more female founders to start businesses. So potentially partnering with, you know, the universities in Charlotte, UNC and, and Queen City University, they've got their entrepreneurial programs. And so what some of our founders have gone and, you know, given presentations and having talks to these classes that they're not all women it's obviously a diverse group but it's it's if we can inspire uh, the younger generation that typically have been told that they you know can't do it or it's just not ingrained in them as much as it is ingrained in males about going for it and starting a big business we want to be that entity that organization that helps influence the younger generation that they are capable of doing this and that once they decide to do it, guess what? There is a place where they can come to with like-minded women entrepreneurs that have done it, that have been successful. Maybe there, there's a couple founders in our community that have exited their, you know, companies. And, and so just having that, you know, just org that, that we can really plug into the Charlotte ecosystem and be that voice for women entrepreneurs, I think that's how we see ourselves fitting in. And the last thing I would say around this is we want to do it a little differently. Like last week, we held a really amazing event um, that was sponsored by Atlanta Ventures at the in-town golf club, which is a new venue here. And we invited the whole ecosystem. So there was ecosystem partners, there was male founders, because we, you know, women, you know, in these organizations, they, they tend to do it in kind of a silo and talk together about women empowerment. But for us, we know that we're not going to make any change unless the entire community comes together to support women and women can support men. It's just, it's more of a collaborative like endeavor, right? So I think the way that we're approaching even the events, it's, it's, we want, we want everybody to kind of just have a place in the conversation and um, we feel that that's really going to be the best strategy to succeed for Charlotte as a startup hub. Yeah, no, you stole my question. I was going to ask you why Jason Kaplan was at your meeting last week, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a follow up question on that one. So we're going to skip ahead. We're going to talk about the board. Um, so <laughs> the um, I thought the I thought the bald guy sitting on stage was misplaced, right? Like he was zoomed in from somewhere far. But um, no, I mean it's it's a really good point, right? Like there are. Um, there are different ways to think about serving in the community and serving in a silo versus um, kind of wrapping your arms around the whole thing with the focus. And it sounds like you want to have probably silo type um, aspects to it, but at the same time, um, in order to be fully embraced and to fully tap into the full scale of resources, wrapping your arms around the entire um, the entire platform and being part of it that way is the, is the route y'all want to take. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, early on in y'all's development, you've decided to incorporate a board to help the growth of, of the organization. Right. So how, why go down that path? I mean, um, rather than just let it continue to be, the two of y'all's brainchild? Um, well, as you know, it takes a village <laughs> to do big things. And so, you know, Ashley and I have a big vision for what we want to build, be able to build out and um, just really make an impact to help women build big businesses, or as we like to say, build big ass companies. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you need a bleeping machine for the podcast, but oh, no, um, I was going to, I was going to force know. you to say that by the end of the podcast anyway. <laughs> so I'm glad you went ahead and got it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, really in order to do that, we wanted to pull together, you know, Ashley and I have been running it for the first year. And so the board is new. We just formed the board in September um, of this year. And we really kind of got to a point you know, in our growth where it's like, okay, we, 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 if you build it, they'll come kind of a mentality and, and it happened. And there was a big 
appetite around what we were what we were setting out to do, right? But we're in order to take it to the next level, we wanted to pull together just powerhouse women across different sectors. So our board, board is super diverse. So there's folks in finance, there's investors, there's folks in marketing, right? And then of course having the founder POV. So there's you know a handful of of actual founders that are in the community. Um, within the board just to help guide the future of Gwen. And we think like with our collective strategic minds and leadership, uh, we will be able to move forward in a way that's going to help us achieve our goals. And even within the board, there's like a committee structure, right? There's, so there's community management, there's business management, and there's marketing management, which are kind of the three facets of what we're trying to solve for and and even just in you know the couple meetings that we've had since we formed like we're already making like so much more progress it's just like any organization right when you lack resources it just it doesn't it doesn't grow as quickly right and so I think the board is is going to be a huge um, just value and influence in terms of how we shape this organization as we head into the new year and the years to come and so we're, we're just like super jazzed about having these amazing women that are, you know, passionate and committed to, to helping us take it to the next level. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you start this thing formally a year ago and, you know, you're new to Charlotte and see the, the need for it. I mean, specifically in this city. And I mean, I don't know my experience in startups in other cities is rather limited, but um, Charlotte as a banking town just seems to be more male dominated for whatever reason than maybe other towns are. And maybe that's a misperception and it's, and it's everywhere. But soon after you're already in, in Raleigh, the Raleigh Durham area, and you're, as you said earlier, you're in the process, if not already starting up a similar, not similar, you're starting up essentially, I would assume a, an Atlanta chapter. So how cool is it to see, you know, almost instantaneously other cities kind of latch on and say, hell yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's incredible. I mean, we've had so much support. So we went, you know, when we went to venture, uh, sorry, um, Connect, venture connect, which is the the big conference in, in the Durham Raleigh area. We, we went out there and we just, you know, we got a list of all the founders, female founders that were pitching on stage, and we hosted a private one event the evening before the conference started. And we had about 50 founders there, and it was incredible. Just these women came together, and we invited some, you know, investors too. And, you know, they were nervous. They were like going all for it. They're going to be pitching on stage, which is incredibly nerve wracking. Um, and, the fact that like we just bonded and we got to know a little bit about their, their story, right? Like, who are you? It's, it's more, it's not like, who, what's your business? Of course, that's part of it, but it was more around like, let's build like, you know, a friendship too. Like we want to know more about you as a founder and, 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 you know, your background and why you're doing this and why you think it's going to be such an impactful, you know, new business or, or tech. And then, following to the second day we all went and we saw their pitches and we were in the crowd and so they would see us and it just felt like such a reinforcement like wow there's people here that have my back there's people here that really um are supporting me and I think that kind of like just support and connection when you're doing something of this like magnitude right it just, it just helps, you know, just reinforce that I, I can do this. It's like, you know, a lot of women suffer from imposter syndrome and it's just kind of the, the way that we've, you know, are, have been conditioned, I think, um, as a society. And so I think through Gwen, this, this really is helping to like alleviate some of those like fears of like, why am I doing this? I'm not good enough. Or, you know, these, these thoughts that enter our minds, so um, the the feedback and the just the support from that region was incredible. Um, if you were at the event, you know Jason Kaplan from Bull City. He's he's like this is amazing, and I want to support you guys and let let's bring it to Raleigh. Like let's do this again here. And so we're getting really good feedback. And then Atlanta as a market is 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 huge, and we've got a lot of good supporters there. 
Um, so that's just like a natural kind of extension for us to, to be able to expand our footprint there. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, think about in a male dominated world, you know, female founder up on stage, even if she looks out in the crowd and sees other females, they kind of disappear in the distance if she hasn't had a chance to make a personal connection with them. Right. And so you feel in that night before where, you know, now all of a sudden, they've had a chance to form a personal connection with, you know, at, at least a dozen, if not all of the other um, females that were there the night before. And so when they're up on stage now, all of a sudden it's not a sea of men that she sees up on stage presenting. She sees the friends that she made the night before. And they, I mean, you can almost see them, you know, kind of pop off the screen a little bit more and that comfort and recognition that, as you said, I'm not doing this alone. I'm not in a silo. There's this, the sea of people out there that do want to see me succeed. So it's such a powerful component of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and they were just so, you know, I think something that women do well, I mean, we're just like natural, like cheerleaders for one another, right? We just, we, we are so excited to see women take that leap of faith and, and do the thing and get on stage. And then, there's also just this overwhelming sense of gratitude that we felt like after that moment. And, and it's just, it's just been incredible. And, and we feel it all the time, right? It's like, we're so thankful for this was so amazing, or I made these connections or like, I learned something new or you guys are doing such a great job. It's just like, it, it's, it's just like community. It's this collaborative nature. And it's just all about like, just being like thankful for, um, the platform that we're building to help really elevate and amplify them in a way that really, you know, was lacking, I think, for the Southeast. Yeah. So with that in mind, the vision over the course of the next three to five years would obviously be to strengthen and grow the three communities that are already established. But I would assume, you know, go back to your roots and create an entity and Miami as well. I mean, how do you, how do y'all view in, in not just Miami, right. In other cities across the Southeast or, or not, do you just focus on the three? Like, how do you view the growth of Gwen over the course of the next couple of years? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think um, Miami will definitely be on the horizon. And I feel like because of my roots and my connections there and, and actually in the startup community too, and, being connected with, um, you know, the Medina family that, that puts on Emerge Americas and doing is doing tons of great work in the startup scene. Um, I feel like it'll be like a natural kind of next city. What we want to do, though, is really build out our footprint and our programming and kind of how to run Gwen in these local chapters. Um, because we want to be such a high touch organization, it's important for us to kind of nail it and do it really well in these three markets. Um, and then from there, you know, Miami obviously being a natural place, that's also like booming with, you know, in the startup scene as well. Um, and then kind of identify any, any other, you know, regions within the Southeast that, that this, that there is like a, a population of female founders that, that would, um, you know, benefit from what we're doing. But I think, you know, phase one is to really just flesh out the playbook. Like this is, this is how you run Gwen in your particular city. Here's how we all collaborate. Here's some of the things that are kind of just across the board that any founder across the Southeast can kind of tap into if it's like a virtual thing. And then here's, um, you know, here's how you do more of like the intimate, like high touch programming and events. You know, we also, aside from events, right, we've got plans to potentially have our own accelerator or cohort or things that we identify, okay, you know, these 10 companies really have a lot of promise. They've got, you know, huge markets. There's authentic demand for their markets. They've, they have some traction. They've got some revenue. The, found, the founders are incredible. Um, how do we help like just more intimately, like help them move the needle into they, where they need to be and then help them get like funding opportunities or just understanding our community, I think is, is big. There's a lot of communities that are more global or national. And it's like, there's no way that they can personalize their offerings 
to everyone. And so it becomes a very like DIY, DIY, like do it yourself. Like here's like, you know, a collection of things that you can download or watch this thing. And and for us, like if we're trying to help women build big ass companies, um, that's not going to really be the way that we do it. Right. We need this like more intimate connection um, with the founders. So we're not, it's, it's quality over quantity, I think for us. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how we're gonna go about it. Yeah. So I mean, it's an interesting you know approach, and so I'll challenge you on it for just a second. So you're building a, this awesome resource for female founders, and in let's call it July of 2024, so nine ten months from now, you get a phone call from founders in. Um, female founders in Detroit or, um, or St. Louis or, you know, some other non-Southeast location that say, Hey, wait a second, Jenny, you are doing this great thing. We want you to come to Detroit, St. Louis, wherever it ends up being. Um, but how do you, cause it is, um, it has the ability to, to catch fire really quick, right? Because of the, the need and probably demand for it. So how do you, how do you think about that over the course of the next couple of years too? Yeah. I, I mean, and that really would be more of that like long-term vision. I mean, we we're, we're doing it as a Southeast initiative now, just because it, it, it makes sense. We've got, you know, we've got folks in each market, which we've got established relationships with, um, we understand the Southeast landscape a little bit better in terms of like, you know, investments and in startups, a hundred percent, you know, growing it and expanding it beyond the Southeast is on the horizon. I mean, we, we want to help as many female founders as we can um, nationally, globally, or whatever that looks like. But, you know, for us, like in terms of prioritization of how to really build out a model that we know works is effective we can look back and what's our impact report like how how did we actually move the needle for this demographic of founder and and so that really is what we're kind of like zoned in on um building this out in other pockets of of the you know of the u.s is something that we certainly want to do it's just not like in our like you know two-year plan yeah, you mean you have to run businesses and have a personal life in addition to um, to running to running <laughs> Quinn, right? Yeah, you know this yeah. is my side hustle right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. And all of us have you know companies and things that we're we're, we're running in parallel. But but yeah, we we just we want to do it right. I think um, when you try to do something just kind of like ad hoc because there's a need, and if we get a phone call from a founder in you know California or Detroit or wherever you know the the region you mentioned, um, can we actually help that founder today? I don't, I don't know. You know, it's like I I think we're still um, in that evolution phase of where we're kind of a startup ourselves, right? And so we're we're really building it out that where we know, we know for sure we're here and we understand the founders and we, you know, have boots on the ground and we can actually feel confident on delivering really high value, high impact resources and getting to know what their needs are. Um, and then once we feel that we, we've got like just good footing here, then we can talk about like broadening it beyond the Southeast. All right, so I'm going to take you to the future for a second because um, it always surprises guests, and technically, it probably also always surprises me as well. We don't have that much time left, right? So about five minutes left in the podcast. So let's go. Let's go forward to the future. It's 2030, and you know, hopefully, the world calms down a little bit from a geopolitical perspective, and all the things that are circling around us. But regardless of that. It's 2030 and we get the report out from whatever VC people report the report that in 2029, 50% of all funding went to female founders and 50% of all funding went to male founders. And we've hit quote unquote equality from a, uh, a funding perspective. 
does that mean that Gwen's no longer needed at that point in time or, um, or what, what would that mean? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think for us, we believe like, you know, founders will always need a community and support no matter what. Right. I, I think we have a long way to go in even just like encouraging more women to go into entrepreneurship and start businesses um, and just change the conditioning and, and, and just it, that, that takes like that work never ends. Right. Um, so I think there's always going to be a place for it. Uh, if, if this actually happens and in, you know, 10 years we've reached equality, I mean, that would be insane. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that that's actually realistic. Um, you know, at the pace we're going, according to PWC's Women in Work Index 2023 that they put out, it will take more than half a century to close the gender pay gap. <laughs> so I love your optimism in that question. And, you know, it would, it would be just our, our, we would feel like, yes, our work is done, but really it's never done. Um, because community, I think is just a necessary, uh, tool to help people that are starting companies, um, just succeed, right. In getting that connection, um, of like-minded folks of, you know, I, I just think that that's always going to be kind of like the backbone of what helps, people succeed. And so I don't think that there's ever going to be um, a place where it really goes away. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, technically speaking, I think you're exactly right. Even if you reach equality, having a community of, as you said earlier, a community of cheerleaders, a community of support that maybe understands better than the broader community would, um, is, is always, it's always needed. Right. I mean, I think what y'all are doing is a forever, um, it's not a forever need. It's a forever fit for, for the world. Right. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So as we think about kind of closing off, I mean, you're a new entity, what resources or, or what else do you need from, the community at large, right? Cause you did, you, you, you said you'd like to wrap your arm around it all. So what, what resources can the community continue to pour into Gwen as y'all continue to build out over the course of the next couple of years? Yeah, well, we need money. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely building out like what is, you know, like any business, right? Even nonprofit. So we're, we're in the process of converting it into a nonprofit. So kind of doing that work and, and with that really building out like what our fundraising strategy is going to be, how we, um, how we can get some funding, right. To really support the resources that we need to run the, or, you know, the organization in the way that we want it, continue on with our events our content or programming. If we do launch an accelerator of some sorts, like that obviously takes some infrastructure, some resources. So, Funding is going to be a big thing that we focus on in the, in the coming year and, and getting some key corporate sponsors um, and people in the community, investors uh, that, that are really just intimately like connected to, to the path, to the mission of, of our organization. So that's part one. And then I think too, you know, mentorship is a big, uh, is a big thing. So um, helping to do some mentor matching figuring out who in the community is, you know, available and would like to mentor some of our founders and getting involved with the Gwen leadership team on, you know, helping to create some mentor matching like programming and kind of facilitate that. Um, and then just, you know, being a supporter, you know, amplifying our, our voice, you know, if we're posting something on LinkedIn, if we're hosting an event, you know, just sharing it, like knowing that we have others outside of just the female founder population that are actually going out there and, you know, publicizing, like, here's the great work that this org is doing um, for the founder community. I think that always is really, you know, impactful and helpful where we've got like our, our allies, right. Our ecosystem allies that are helping to, to amplify our voice. Yeah, absolutely. And best way to get a hold of you and Ashley is website. Uh, yes, we're in the process of, you know, since we're a startup and scrappy, we've had like 
a landing page right for the first year, but we are in the process of building out a more formal site, but you could get in touch with us there. Our email address is digest at helloguen.co. So that's okay. also um, a way to, to reach Ashley and I, and it's a you know, shared inbox that we're, that we're managing. That's awesome. So Jenny, it's, um, you know, A, you've got a wonderful story. I should have said this a long time ago, so I apologize. Welcome to Charlotte. Um, we as a community are happy to have you and your energy and your passion for startups, as well as obviously for helping female founders. So welcome to Charlotte first and foremost, and thank you for spending the last, you know, 45, 50 minutes today talking about the need and the gap that y'all are filling. It's a wonderful thing that you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. No, thanks, William. I really appreciate it. And uh, Charlotte is, Charlotte's got a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And I feel like for me, this community is so special because there's just such an abundance mindset here. And I feel like it's more like collaboration over competition. I mean, you meet folks at these events and it's like, how can I help you? How can I plug you in? How can I support you? And it's there, it's just the like the openness and and the response that I've gotten just in moving here and not really knowing many people and then with Gwen it's just it's an incredible town with really amazing people and we're just happy to be here and happy to be um leading this initiative yeah no so um well again welcome and thank you awesome yeah thank you too have a good one we'll see you out and about in the future events for sure yeah absolutely Thanks, Jenny. Okay. Thanks, Mom. Queen Bissett is owner of and an investment advisor representative of Portis Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.